the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. Now, in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation and a master of the laws of intellectual property. And because of my education, my training, my experiences, and my life's observation, as well as my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation, and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. I also practice the related fields in my overall financial practice, that is to say, including debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law as my reference point, that is to say, as they relate to the personal, familial, community, and small business areas of finance, I have spent the greater part of the last 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people and communities of color, including indigenous communities. And because I grew up as a military brat and also helped create another one with my former spouse, I know firsthand just how hard it can be sometimes economically for our citizens, soldiers, sailors, airmen and women and Marines and their families in our sometimes less than patriotic capital-based economic system, especially the case after these individuals separate from the service. As such, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all, ve- all branches of the military. And again, I, I, uh, because I have had the great fortune to both know and spend a lot of time with and actually become friends with both my grandmothers who survived what I consider to be the four great economic challenges in the last century. That is to say, they survived the Great Depression, the privation of World War II, and unfortunately, the systemic racism and misogyny that continues through in our society to today. As these women helped raise me and loved me and share with me some of the wonderful stories 
of their grandparents who loved them and raised them in the post-Reconstruction and Jim Crow South. As such, it's my, out of my great love and respect for these women that when the situation presents itself, I am sometimes able to at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the targets of, and unfortunately more and more the victims of, some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that you could ever imagine that's running rampant in our society today. So, the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and unfortunately, more and more probably these days, the lack thereof in your overall finances and what you need to consider to protect or reclaim or rehabilitate you, your, or your family's or your business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational form. However, I must once again, as always, ask you to please note that this show doesn't provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I believe you need if you're having a legal problem that intersects with your finances and or your assets and or your debts. And as such, and in as much as I am like you all out there listening to me, an amalgam of my life experiences and in my situation, my life experiences include those of practicing law for the past 17 years. However, I had a life before I became a lawyer that spanned 33 years as an adult before I got my license. And as such, I'm also a recovering former military spouse and a former Department of Defense civilian in my own right as well as a recovering former data and telecommunication transmission systems engineer who helped design and implement some very important systems for the United States Navy. Therefore, I have and will continue to use this platform from time to time to bring important news and information and analysis about the intersection of the law and its military application and implications. Um, that I believe might be helpful to you who listen to this show and sometimes actually reach out to me, some of whom you are, active duty military and retired service members, or those who care about you and respect God-fearing members of our armed forces who constantly and diligently and very quietly stand watch, but you're ever ready to put yourselves in harm's way if needs be to protect our freedoms and those of our allies from those who would like to see us cowed and afraid. So once again, we're going to talk about what's going on over in Ukraine and we're using it as a reference point and with the goal of determining what the West, those of us who live in the West, 
can and must do to combat the brutal expansion tactics, the invasion tactics, and now the expansion tactics used by Russia in its transparent and aggressive moves to take by force and then control whole swaths of the Eastern European continent. My standing query is this. Exactly what are the major international organizations that at least attempt to spread at least the concepts of the unities of peace, territorial security, and integrity, and stability throughout the world? As I shared with you last week, I believe that from a global perspective, based on my own knowledge, research, and experience, they are, first, the United Nations, second, NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, third, the European Union, fourth, the World Trade Organization, fifth, the Group of 20, or the G20, and a subgroup of them, sixth, the G7, or Group of Seven, and, and I think that the group of seven is more germane to our discussion. And then seventh is the International Criminal Court that we discuss in great detail back on Easter Eve on April 16, 2022. So when we come back, we'll complete our deep dive into the workings of the remaining international organizations whose global political clout and or military acumen may help bring an end to the war in Ukraine or at least provide some assistance to help the good guys win. But first we're going to take a break and I'll see you on the other side. back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As we complete our deep dive into the workings of the remaining key international organizations whose global political clout and or military acumen may help bring about an end to the war in Ukraine or at least provide the assistance that helps the good guys win. Now, last week I gave my rationale for believing two of the remaining organizations, the six organizations, after we discount, not actually discount, but we've already discussed the International World Court. So, the two that I talked about last week, or why I didn't believe or don't believe that they are so germane to our goal of trying to end this war in Ukraine, with the Ukrainians winning. Uh, first, the United Nations and the World Trade Organization. Although clearly and certainly important in the grand scheme of global geopolitical affairs, I don't think they're germane to, in, to our search for entities that could weigh in and assist the warring parties in coming to a conclusion to their hostilities either through peace or by aiding the good guys in their effort to duke it out to the bitter end. First, 
uh, as I shared with you before, the United Nations, whose stated mission is to promote international peace, stability, human rights, and economic development. However, the fact that its primary peace and security entity, the UN Security Council, is composed of five permanent members, and those are China, uh, the U.S., the United Kingdom, France, and Russia, and that's why is called the P5 because each one of those are permanent members of the Security Council. And each of them have the right to vote. And as such, any one of them can put the big kibosh on any measure that's put forth to avoid conflict. And that's especially the cases here where Russia is a member of the P5 and it can veto anything that the whole other body wants to come up with. So that's why I'm saying in this instance, the United Nations is not applicable. The second is the World Trade Organization, also known as the World or WTO, and its mission is to manage the rules of international trade and ensure that fair and equitable treatment of all members through negotiation and settlement of trade disputes. However, again, I submit that the World Trade Organization is not germane to our discussion for the obvious reason that one of the allowed legitimate tools of a conflict during wartime is the application of trade embargoes and other trade-related sanctions targeted at the entity that started the conflict. And here we're talking about Russia. So that leaves four international organizations that I believe are the most important ones needed for the rest, West to effectively deal with Russia's invasion of Ukraine because their stated goals of maintaining peace and freedom through the freedom of movement of people and ideas and trade. However, that's guarded by the collective defense of the individual countries that are willing and able to band together to act as a unified front against those who would harm any member of the group. And that fits hand in glove with the overall policies of the United States. So, they are NATO, the European Union, and the G7. Um, and I leave the G20 out because I sincerely mean no harm or disrespect. However, the stated goals of the G20 is to primarily function as a supersized world trade organization by focusing on the economic matters and global financial stability of the world as a whole. And while the collective membership of the G20 accounts for around 85% of the so-called gross world product, that is to say the combined gross national product of all the countries of the world, and their members account for 80% of the world's trade and two-thirds of the world's population, you should know that even as to matters of the world's economic and finance, clearly its wheelhouse, any resolution as proffered by the G20 on such matters are seen as political declarations of intent, but they have no binding legal effect. As such, in my opinion, the G20 is completely impotent when it comes to having a standing to resolve the matter uh, in Ukraine dealing with this war that we all find the world involved in. So, as I've already discussed NATO with you, um, we're going to focus on the remaining two, 
that is to say the European Union and the G7 in their roles in the world and how they might be able to help in the conflict. So first off, what is the European Union? Well, according to uh, Britannica Online Encyclopedia that's located at www.britannica.com, the European Union is an international organization made up of 27 European countries and focuses on governing uh, the common economic, social, and security policies of Europe. Now, it was originally confined to Western Europe. The European Union undertook an expansion into Central and Eastern Europe in this century. European Union members are uh, Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria, Croatia, Cyprus, the Czech Republic, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Ireland, Italy, Latvia, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Malta, and the Netherlands, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Slovenia, Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden. Now, the United Kingdom had been a founding member of the European Union, but it left in 2020 in a big to-do called Brexit. Now, the European Union was created by a treaty, uh, the Maastricht Treaty, and it came into force in 1993, and the treaty was designed to enhance Europe's political and economic, and to integrate everyone into a single European currency known as the Euro. Now, I don't know that many of you know this, but because its focus is peace, in 2012, the European Union was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in recognition of the organization's effort to promote peace and democracy throughout Europe. Now, the European Union represents one in a series of efforts of Europe since World War II to end the periodic outbreaks of wars that, that has plagued Europe. Um, so how it got started was in 1951, the leaders of six countries, this is 1951 after the end of World War II, six countries including Belgium, France, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, and West Germany, because at that time Germany was split in ha half, they signed the Treaty of Paris, and that took effect the following year. And it was the founding of the group's predecessor known as the European Coal and Steel Community. Its focus was to make natural resources available to its members and to break down trade barriers. Then on March 25th in 1957, the six members of the European Coal and Steel Community signed the two treaties in Rome that established something called the European Atomic Energy Coalition, again focusing on developing power for Europe. And the European uh, Union evolved over time till the Maastricht Treaty formerly known as the Treaty of the European Union, and it was signed 
on February 7, 1992. And its goal, again, it has three pillars. The European community is interested in common foreign and security policy, which has everything to do with our discussion. And they want to also have enhanced cooperation domestically and handle their affairs and treaties properly. And the treaty changed the name to the European Economic Community to the European Community. And that's basically uh, the goal is to have one united Europe that has free trade where the members of each community, uh, each country, are treated as members of the whole community. But again, an important component is the system of universal security that fits hand in glove with NATO and America's foreign policy. Now, the final group is the G7, and that's the shorthand for the Group of Seven, an organization of leaders from the world's largest economies, including Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Now, you should know Russia was indefinitely suspended from the group because um, it used to be known as the G8, and that happened in 2014 when... Um, uh, Russia did the first act <laughs> of invading Ukraine and took over Crimea. So why are the EU and the G7 so important in the current war between Ukraine and Russia? Well, there's this great article that was published earlier this week in Foreign Policy magazine. It was written by Angela Stent, and she says that because of Russia's bad behavior, we are in a new 21st century Cold War. And because the United States and the European Union and the G7 are part of the West, and the rest of the world tends to not want to get involved in criticizing uh, Russia because they have economic dealings with Russia, we in the West have to band together in order to preserve our freedoms such that we will not be overtaken by those who believe that freedom is an important component uh, as we do. So she, go, she ends it by saying, the rest may represent more than half of the world's population, but it's the poor half composed of many lesser developed countries but alongside Russia and China. So we in the West, because we have economic power and we certainly want to try to do good in the world, we have to band together if we want to make sure that we maintain our freedoms. So in effect, we in the West must bind together, band together for our collective security because the rest is not so motivated by moral suasion and we have to continue to look out for our own best interests on the world stage. So we're going to leave it there for now, but as always in closing, we like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law. 
including utilizing our collective defense mechanisms made real by the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, the European Union, and the G7 to limit the impunity of Russia and the other craven dictators and autocrats on the world stage. So, till we get together again, and in as much as it looks like we're going to be dealing with some variant of COVID-19 for the foreseeable future, I once again ask you to please get vaccinated and boosted. And even if you have all your shots, but especially if you don't, please take the necessary precautions and not only protect yourself, but your families by masking up at the very least. Until next time, take care. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.